All right. Are you ready? I am. Are you locked and loaded? Always. Good man. I got the ethic that works. No, I can get it like me. Yeah. Good to have you, bro. Likewise, man. Thanks for so, having me. So, um, this is my second podcast, and I'm on location. And I really like kind of leaving my, my space and coming on location because then I really I immerse myself into sort of the the environment and everything mm-hmm. this place has to offer. Like for me, I need to admit like right off the bat, like what you're wearing right now is definitely something I reserve for really special occasions yeah. or interviews. Yeah, you and most people, I would say. Yeah. Is that the norm? That is the norm nowadays, yeah. Okay. Um, so, I mean... W- if you can, um, tell me why. Well, first of all, for everybody listening, I am with my man Mario Badir, who is the proud owner, um, Ottawa's best dressed secret, uh, of Mario Uomo. That's it. You're one of the few that actually knows how to say it properly. Hey, <laughs> yes, yes. Mario Uomo. What does Uomo mean? So it means man in Italian. Really? Yeah, and a lot of people kind of uh, read it and they don't know how to pronounce it and they wonder why every store has Womo in it. It's because it implies that it's a men's Italian clothing store. So is it Womo? Yeah, well, it's Womo, but most people say Womo. Womo. But it's still better than what most people say all the time. So you're still on the right track. Okay, good, good. And okay, so that means man. And I believe uh, your father started this. Yeah, he did. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that. So he started it in 1998. Uh, He's been in retail forever, probably since back when my grandpa had a store back in Lebanon. So it's like a a three generation. Your grandpa had a store in Lebanon? his dad, yeah. A men's clothing store? Men's clothing store, yeah. Wow, like high end fashion? It was, yeah, suits and mostly casual clothing because he was more in like a village type of area. So suits weren't as necessary. Yeah. Uh, But it would be nice, you know, dressy, occasional clothing like you implied before. But that explains so much because I know that the generation above me and maybe even the one before that. So like my father and his father, there's this weird obsession with dress pants. Yeah. To every occasion. Oh, yeah. yeah. And like even on a Sunday morning, I remember my, my pops would be, doesn't matter what's happening. You need the dress pants. And the uh, my uncle had these amazing pointy leather boots with the zipper on the yeah, side. Yeah, back when they were in style back then. They're in style now again too. They're back. Everything is always in a cycle of men's fashion. Interesting. Yeah. So you took so you took this. Uh, you pretty much took over um, the operation yeah. and all the whole the whole Fully, retail yeah. aspect. Yeah, by surprise to me and my dad, to be honest. Yeah, it yeah. was uh, definitely not something I thought I would ever do, just because I. Never really dressed like this all the time when I was younger, mm. um, apart from occasions like you mentioned before. And uh, I was studying to be a lawyer. Really? Years, yeah. I was studying law in university and I had it in mind that I was going to become a lawyer. Part of that is also because it's the stereotypical uh, Arab family yes. uh, prerequisite for their kids that you have to be a lawyer, doctor, or engineer. Engineer, you got that's it, it, man. That's that's the top three, ladies and well, gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> if you guys want to be successful and earned the approval of your parents, yeah. because they are your property, um, <laughs> and you are a reflection of them. To everybody and to themselves, yeah. <laughs> So that's that. Those are one of the three, and I picked law because I honestly I realized halfway into my studies I'm doing it for the wrong reasons. Mm. Uh, I wanted to be a lawyer because they dress well and they make good money. Interesting. And then I woke up one day and I realized my father has a nice clothing store. 
Interesting. Where they have nice clothes and there's a potential to make good money if you're good at it. So you must be really in love with the oh, show. Yeah. I am, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you, I know you, already you what you're going to gonna say. I know what you're going to say, Suits. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's like <laughs> literally the, the, the clash of both worlds. It is, yeah. It's to the point, man, where people come by and they say, I want a Harvey suit. And mm. I know exactly what they mean every time. Yeah, the specter. Exactly, the, with the peak lapel. The so what I'm lapel. wearing right now is a notch lapel. Okay. Right? This is your standard lapel that you have on every standard suit. Right. But then the peak lapel is what Harvey wears in that show all the time where they go it's up. more of a summit there. Yeah. yeah. So that's more, I find, a more formal suit. but More formal, but I would also agree that it's uh, a little bit more um, representative of his character. Oh, definitely. And I think it kind of has like an alpha male it does, type yeah. feel because you have Lewis on uh, on the other hand who mm. is kind of like his alter ego yeah if you will essentially yeah but i mean we can talk about the show all day but the, the character development for me like with lewis i feel was more than harvey for me personally mm. I, I like i really like lewis and because just of all his flaws and everything but i noticed also his his his, his attire yeah changed throughout the show Definitely. as well and when he made partner his suit started to change just his, a little bit yeah. Yeah, yeah his color coordination and stuff like that yeah so I mean, where where do you where do you find that connection between like somebody's represents the way somebody presents themselves, right? So yeah, I mean, like the way I see it, uh, the common problem that most people have is they want to dress up according to whatever trend is mm. out there right now. And yeah. I find my job it sounds pretentious to say, but I don't like calling myself a salesman because mm -hmm. I'm really out to actually just find you what works best for you. Mm -hmm. So when somebody comes in telling me they want a slim suit, well, if you're not slim, I'm not really going to give you a slim suit. It's yeah. not the most flattering thing for you, right? Yeah. Just right. like when an older man comes in and he's very uh, skinny, let's say very thin guy, but he wants a baggy suit because 30 years ago, that's what he was accustomed to. Right. I won't put him into a slim suit, but I'll put everybody into a modern suit that suits their image best. Mm. That's my, always my goal every time somebody comes by, so... Because like you said, like your clothing is a reflection of who you are. But you must you must also compete with ego. Oh, definitely, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yes. Because when I when I all of my insecurities come out when I go clothes shopping. Mm -hmm. I'm not afraid to admit it. Um, I've been blessed with really broad shoulders and also sort of all the, the, the muscle that I've gained or whatnot, the the build that I've kind of uh, evolved into mm -hmm. in time makes it harder for me to find your more traditional standard sizes. Like yeah. I'm a medium I'm, uh, around my waist, but I'm a large uh, uh, in the middle. And then like I'm maybe an XL uh, near, near my shoulder mm -hmm. or chest area. And every time I go shopping, that kind of comes out. And, you know, that's an intimate relationship to have with somebody. Yeah. Especially you know, when you see somebody often. Especially when you see somebody often. And for me to walk in and, and give my trust and my insecurities to a guy who... And I think that's that's a good point you make about relationship where it's like if I were to walk into just some store, it's like, buddy, hold on, you know, give me a minute. Let me approach yeah. you about it because you're, you're kind of talking to me. You already have the tape measure out. Exactly. And I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, that's essentially the reason why I never thought I would ever work here, because I always had a bad shopping experience no matter where I went. I was never fully, fully comfortable. Yeah. Um, and nobody's stupid, man. You can tell right away when somebody's on commission and they're out to just sell you something that they want to sell. Mm -hmm. Not something that you necessarily need or might want, just whatever they've been told to push, right? So um, it's for that reason that up until this day, my dad is still surprised that I took over the store. Yeah. Because I, I essentially just looked at it like I have to 
do the opposite of what I didn't like about my shopping experiences. Mm -hmm. And one of them was what you alluded to right now is the Mm -hmm. fact that somebody comes in and he's directly approaching you, trying to entice you to buy something that you don't even know if you want yet. There is uh, a side of this where guys uh, bring out their insecurities. And I don't take that for granted in the sense that I kind of look at myself as like a barber. Mm -hmm. Like when you go to a barber, let's say you have a bald spot in your hair. You don't have to tell every single person okay, this is how you should cut my hair. Yeah. Every time you switch barber to another, you got to tell them exactly how you want it to be cut, how you want it to be designed, right, what flatters right, you best. Right. You want to tell the guy one time, and if one he does a good job, you don't right. have to say anything anymore. When a guy comes here and he's aware that he has a belly, for example, and he's kind of shy about it, mm-hmm. he probably doesn't want to have to remind everybody about it every time you go shoot shopping. Right. So in my case, I, I do my absolute best to remember what my clients are looking for so that when they come in, they don't have to say anything. They know I'm going to show them what I think works for them, not what I'm trying to get rid of. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's like when I go shopping for clothes, particularly high end fashion, I'm, I'm out, I'm on a mission. Mm. Um, and like you mentioned, a lot of people correlate that mission with what's trending, but ultimately like my big goal is to feel better about myself. Yeah. Definitely. And that's the same mentality. It's just a different vehicle. Like this is just clothes and you have the espresso machine, the nice classic Italian machine. I see it in the corner over there. And you know, you have all of these great uh, uh, traditional elements in the store. But for me, I just want to feel better about myself. The same thing when I walk into a supplement store. If I go to a supplement store and I have a goal in mind, I resent that person for trying to push something on me because mm-hmm. that's just what the, the brand wants them or they make a commission off of it. You're 100% right, yeah. So how, uh, you know, how do you manage those relationships and what are some of the things that you've, you've experienced uh, in time? Well, when it comes to the clients that come in here, I just, I find that uh, men, like we're creatures of habit. Yeah, right. We are. We find something good and we stick with it. Oh yeah. You know, alluding back to the barbershop, I think it's always the best comparison to what I do for a living because it's a it's like a sacred environment. You know, like you come in for an yeah. hour or two, yeah, you're not you thinking about up. anything else. You're yep. supposed to be comfortable here, and uh, I'm kind of lucky in the sense that my clients aren't really hard to please mm. because they trust me. Mm. They might be hard to please at first if they get a sense that I'm not out, you know, to to fulfill their best interests, but. Uh, I'm lucky in the sense that they know that uh, I'm looking out for them all the time. And uh, I don't really run into many problems with clients. And, and I love that. Yeah. And that's a, that's a relationship that you don't want to take for granted. No, no. And, and I ask questions all the time. And I find that you can never get the best answer out of your clients unless you're honest with them to begin with. Mm. So if they feel that honesty coming from me, I'm not shy to tell somebody that you don't look good in that suit. I'll yeah. never, ever let somebody walk out of the shop if I don't actually like the way they look in what I'm offering them. And to me, that's like the best thing that you can do uh, in a relationship building, mm-hmm. like the business and the, 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 you know, those to me, I call them jabs. And then the right hook is when you make the sale. Right. Yeah. Like so, so you're jabbing, you're jabbing, you're jabbing. And I appreciate that because um, it, it's kind of like a friend that you don't want yes men yeah. all around you. Mm-hmm. I appreciate because I am that friend as well. If you want to be serious about bettering the person you're you're with or the relationship you're in or your boys or your your, your gang or whatever, you got to be honest. 100%. Now, if I were to look at it from a business perspective, for example, yeah, the reason why you should always be honest with your clients is because they'll always tell their friends and family to come see you. Mm. Because they're, 
especially when you deal with whether it's an 18 year old or a 65 year old or 35 everybody has a limited amount of time and they don't want it to be wasted right so the moment you start to offer them good service from a business standpoint you do it because you know they're going to give you good word of mouth Mm -hmm. now from a personal standpoint i actually happen to care about my client's money Mm -hmm. so i do it because i'm just not comfortable selling you something that i don't think you should wear right you know what i mean so and how how on earth would you have become a lawyer with that with that integrity (laughs) yeah that's part of it i know I know, and I wanted to be a, a criminal lawyer too, and huh. that's kind of the worst compared to what I'm talking about right now. Yeah, so in the sense that you have to put your morals aside sometimes because it is about the business at hand. Yeah, I'm the opposite. My clients know I'm never in a rush to sell them something. Right, I'd rather you wait a month if I know I'm getting something nice in in a month. Mm. I'll tell you to come in in a month. And you know that's the best position you can be in. Like I kind of approach it to the same way in terms of what I'm doing with this podcast or with the Lucky Loose brand or Lucky Gang podcast where it's like, I don't want to panhandle Mm -hmm. and I want my relationships quality over quantity. Yeah. Right. And if you're into what I'm up to, then, 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 then we're, we're good. You know, you can hang. Right. But I'm not going to sit here and fabricate something that isn't genuine, that isn't real. And then on top of that, in your case, you're taking, at times a large amount of money from them at the mm-hmm. end of the day too yeah. and you don't want them feeling sour Heck no. when they when they leave those doors <laughs> because a lot of people will i mean lebanese people are a bit more extroverted and will 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 call they're you out shy, no. they're not shy <laughs> they're <about> not shy <laughs> but you have other cultures that will gladly pay beyond their way and you'll never see them again mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i and to be honest with you i'd always rather that somebody tells me their complaints mm-hmm. because if I don't hear your complaints I yeah. just assume everything is fine mm-hmm. and then when I don't see you for a few years for example then I start to wonder like where'd I go wrong yeah but I can never fix that part of me that made the mistake because I was never told about it you know what I mean yeah totally yeah constructive criticism that goes a long way you just got to be able to know how to handle it that's it yeah you got to be able to, to to suck up your your ego yeah. as well and it's not as easy as it sounds especially for me when I was younger I took over the store when I was 22 you took over when you were 22. 22, yeah. What was that like? Intimidating? Uh, intimidating, not necessarily partially because I felt like I was always at home here. So it was to a fault where I felt like I could do no wrong. Mm. Definitely did some wrongs. I'm sure. Yeah. But I felt like I couldn't do any wrongs. Yeah. Um, in hindsight, I think I'll look back at it and think that in the long run, it was a great idea to start that early. Yeah. Um, but at the time, there were a lot of hurdles mm-hmm. that I probably could have avoided had I taken my time towards taking over the shop let me ask you a little bit about your dad Mm -hmm. um so and his father as well clearly there was a bit of momentum building up and i know like for me my relationship with my father is one well not so much anymore now that i'm i'm in my 30s and i've established myself and whatnot but at 22 i could imagine constantly seeking my father's approval. Yeah, no matter what. Like right? Every, especially a firstborn son, you always want your dad to be proud of you, no matter what. Yeah, so 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 did that kind of drive you a little bit more? Or did you, be, and especially the fact that you didn't take that lawyer route, um, you were kind of, the, go- the not the odds were stacked against you, but you were entering sort of maybe trying to keep up with a guy, a seasoned vet. Yeah, yeah. Right? So um, it's funny because normally stereotypically especially in our cultures i'm gonna say uh the family business sometimes is imposed upon the kids yeah 
in some cases. Not every case, but in some cases, if you have a good family business, you always want your kids to take it over and see it flourish, right? Yeah. My case was the total opposite. My dad wanted me to have no parts with the store at all. Yeah. Um, Although it was doing well and he was making a good living, we never had any problems growing up. He got us everything we wanted. Everything seemed fine to me. Right. Uh, But he, the more I spoke with him about it, the more I realized it was just about the amount of hours that you put in. Mm -hmm. Uh, At the time, my mom was always at home with us. And my dad was always working, and our store used to be in a mall before. So in a mall, you're dictated, uh, you know, which hours you're supposed to work. So he's from 9 to 9 all the time. Although you have staff all the time, my dad is a type, and I ended up being that way for better or worse. I can have 20 staff members here. I have to be here, though, no matter what. Yeah. My, uh, yeah, you have, a, you have a deeper attachment to it than anybody will ever have. My, my father took the, the same, uh, interestingly enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has an extensive history in the restaurant industry coming at a young age and and i'll get into my my pops story at another time but long story short he knew and respected the restaurant industry Mm -hmm. so much that that and he he wanted better for me yeah cooking was his passion it wasn't necessarily mine Mm -hmm. had i gone into it it would have been a means of income which are two very different things right i think a lot of people confuse their passion with uh, getting getting 100%. money, yeah. and, but when you're able to merge the two together, you, you hit the sweet spot. Um, but he told me he's like, and I asked him why, like, oh, I, let me go and I'll spend time with you, and and you know that 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 bonding and everything. Mm-hmm. And he said, I don't want you to be the boss's son. Yeah, I could see that. And so that was a huge character development there yeah, yeah. from him. Um, he wanted you to be your own man in a way, sort of thing, right? He wanted yeah. me to grow up. In a neutral environment where I had to build myself, right, and that makes total sense. And 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 impress upon people that have no reason to give a shit about me. And that, to me, I think was a huge, huge move on right. his part. Yeah. And he, you know, he owns quite a few restaurants right now. And I think a lot of people uh, make their own assumptions or whatnot. I'm I'm not concerned with that. But you know, he couldn't be happier for me. And I've always uh, tried to contribute to the restaurant industry without actually putting an apron on. Right. So whether he needed marketing help or social media help or communications help, I was there. Um, but in your case, you're a little bit different because you kind of took over. Mm. Was there any overlap between the two of you? He was with me for about like, we always worked on and off before. I'd always work at another job. Yeah. And when I either quit or got fired, most of the time got fired, uh, <laughs> I would work with my dad. Yeah. And it was, it's odd because I never clashed with anybody when I was working. I never got fired for any malpractice or anything. Right. I usually got fired because I just didn't, I didn't like the lack of logic in a lot of my manager's uh, orders and, and the way they were kind of giving me shifts and, and ordering me around and stuff. And I just didn't feel like I was appreciated. So. Right. With time, when you don't feel appreciated, you don't give it your all. Yeah, the power struggle. All the time. And uh, yeah. and if anything, it just really made me realize, I'm actually very glad uh, I didn't really have good experiences before at my regular jobs because it helped me realize what kind of person I am mm-hmm. or more importantly, what I want to become. And I realized I'm better off working on my own, but I still love working around people. And uh, so he was with me for those first six months, but when he started to realize that I'm relatively independent, you know, for that age anyways, at 22. Yeah. He kind of let go of the wheel a little bit and uh, let me take control. That's huge. Yeah, it was uh, <laughs> It was surprising. I wasn't expecting it. He just came one day and he said, yeah, the store is yours. Mm. 
And he was always there. Like I would talk to, I still talk to him like five times a day. I'm, I'm almost annoyed with him as much as I talk with him every day. <laughs> yeah. But he's always there when I need, uh, you know, to pick his brain on something. Uh, but the thing is, the business has actually changed quite a bit since I took over uh, compared to when he first had the store. So, okay, tell me how, like, so what's changed or what, what are some of the current things that you've done? So anybody that's thinking or listening to this right now, thinking about entering the, the, the clothing industry mm-hmm. or the retail industry, what are some of the things that you took from the old school, but maybe adapted a little bit to, to suit today's So needs? I'm going to sound very repetitive on this podcast, but it goes back to the barbershop things. No, yeah. Right, so... Nowadays, you notice a lot that barbershops are popping up all over the place, but mm-hmm. they're not modern barbershops. They're more uh, hinging on, you know, the, the older traditional barbershops with yeah. the straight shave and the hot towel and everything. Yeah. So what I've realized, though, is that the difference between our generation and back when my dad was working was that my gen- our generation, we actually like dressing up now. Yes. 10, 15 years ago, we like to dress up in long T-shirts and baggy jeans and basketball jerseys. But sure. now, because most of the people that are wearing those basketball jerseys wear suits post-game. All yeah. the basketball athletes, football players, everything you see. Yep. Uh, actors, entertainers, everybody's dressed up in nice suits. So all of a sudden, with social media, everything's in your face. Mm-hmm. People our age want to dress up nicely. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been the main difference between what I've done and what my dad has done. My dad used to cater to our dads. Mm-hmm. I now cater to us and our dads. Mm-hmm. And um, with that being said, because younger guys are always into fashion now, younger guys are always online. So obviously, it's math. Online stores become super popular now. Right. And so those are the two main differences, I would say. Online store, online shopping in general. Mm -hmm. And the fact that younger guys are actually most of the market nowadays. Have you started online uh, I'm actually implementing a store next month. Next month? Uh, Next month, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've been doing it for six months now. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. If you want to do it properly, it's a lot of work, yeah. So what are are some of the, what are the top three things that that you would recommend for an online shop, a successful online shop? Online shop, well, one, you need good pictures. Uh, Pictures The reason why it took me a little bit of time is because I didn't want to just put pictures on mannequins. Mm. It's hard enough to see what a suit is going to look like online. It's even harder when you don't actually see it online on an actual human model. Right. When you have it on a mannequin, everything can be primmed and proper and photoshopped so it looks like it's cut Yeah, to and a I've tea. seen also on mannequins in store, they completely change the fit of oh, the yeah. shirt. They'll, they'll, they'll put safety pins in the back. Definitely, yeah, because they want to make everything look yeah, very misleading. For sure. And, and so what I wanted to do is I wanted to put it, for example, I have several brands here. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is because every brand is meant to be shown to a specific type of person. Mm. I have my very high-end brands for people who've been wearing suits for 20, 30 years and they're used to a certain level of quality. So with that being said, stereotypically, it's usually uh, more mature, and by mature, I mean older gentlemen. Mm. Mm-hmm. So online, I put it on an actual, you know, like a father, like a right. real guy. I didn't put on like a 150 pound soaking wet guy. I wanted it to be on a real person where you look at and you say, that's probably what I'll look like when I oh, wear it. I like that. Right. So you're matching, you're matching. Yeah. Okay. The demographic with the, with the actual yeah. suit. My slimmer suits, my shorter cut suits, my very trim at the bottom type suits. I put it on an 18 year old model because that's who most likely will be wearing those suits. Right. So I wanted you to know based on what I'm showing, that this is what I would recommend for you. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Okay, what else? And uh, I mean, with that being said, it's uh, with the online store, with the pictures, I'm putting a lot of content. The one thing that I've realized, doesn't matter if you're 18 or 65, not everybody knows how to tie a tie. Mm. So although having a video on how to tie a tie doesn't actually uh, directly lead to you buying a tie, 
it'll just encourage you to wear more ties more often because you're more comfortable wearing it. You feel more confident yeah. tying that nice knot without somebody going up to you and trying to fix it, right? Right. So all these little details when you have content, I'm going to have blog posts, a bunch of pictures. And obviously, as you know, social media is king. Yeah. Uh, just an amalgamation of all those things should lead to a successful online store. Great. But, yeah. you know, I think one of the main challenges you're going to have is to uh, migrate that in-person experience the connections the network like how do you duplicate mario you know the person yeah. in the online experience but on the flip side you can also argue that it isn't going to be that demographic that has grown to love you so much that's, that's essentially be it because those guys who really and i'm not saying that if you shop online you don't like shopping you just like to shop differently exactly those guys that actually like that when for example when a client comes in and that's why we spend an hour together. Mm-hmm. If I had to put a number on it, we're probably talking about the suit for maybe 10 minutes. Mm. The other 50 minutes, we're just talking about life. Right. Whatever's on his mind, what's on my mind. And that's a different type of client than the one who just wants to go online right away and just buy something off the bat. And not necessarily, I shouldn't say doesn't care about the way it fits, but not care about it not fitting right away. Right. There are a lot of guys who don't, and I'm one of them, yeah. I don't want to buy something online because I don't want to have to return it. Right. I know it's sort of like a negative way of thinking. Yeah, clothes is tricky. But it's very tricky with clothing. I'll yeah. buy TVs, I'll buy camcorders, I'll buy all those things. But when it comes to clothing, I'm just, obviously, I'm that type. I got to feel it. Mm. I got to see how it feels against my skin. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and I noticed that too when I'm shopping. Uh, it, it Literally, it's that, uh, what do you call it? This, the sensory or the... Um, what do you call touch? Yeah, the like, sensory touch. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you basically, that's the first thing I do. I don't look at price. Yep. I don't look at size. I reach for it with my index and my thumb and I give it two or three rubs. Yeah, but that says a lot about you. So what does it say about me? I think it says that you actually enjoy clothing. You like dressing up. You like actually knowing what's on your back. Hmm. Whereas somebody who doesn't necessarily care about the fabric, the flip side is that he pretty much only cares about the way it looks. Yeah, or the price. You know what I mean? Yeah, or the price. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I'm that guy. I'm that same guy as you where I need to feel it because if I don't like the way it feels, I could care less if I look like a million bucks. I won't feel like a million bucks because it's always in the back of my mind. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? So that's why I'll be honest. I'll never, ever shop for a suit online. I think it's crazy. But what about what about those new like there's a lot of apps coming out now that they they scan your body and they kind of recommend and they get all of your dimensions mm-hmm. and they recommend tailored stuff and all that. So that's what I'm leading to. So I think it's crazy to just buy a suit without any guidelines whatsoever. Okay. I think something like that helps to give you an idea as to what you should be looking for in terms of the fit of a suit. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't have a program like that yet, but what I'm planning on doing for my website is I believe it or not it sounds kind of uh, weird, but if you send me a picture of a full, you know, your full body picture of somebody, mm. I could tell what size you are most of the time. Mm. So I'm if always they're wearing like like fitting clothes. Yeah, if they're wearing fitting clothes. Now yeah. I can kind of tell based on the shoulders. Yeah. So what you said before, you were blessed with big shoulders. Yeah. But you have a smaller waist. Yes. So in your case, they don't actually make suits for guys like you. No, they don't. Because not it's everybody's a, like you. I'm a train wreck. Not everybody's like you, and that's kind of the issue. So when you shop online, you have to know that. I'm buying a suit based on my shoulder size yeah. or my chest size. Yeah. And I know that knowing that I have to get a size that's too big for my waist, I'm going to have to tailor yeah. the bejesus out of the whole suit after. Yeah. But you got to be cool with that because that's the only way to make it fit the way you want it to fit. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I own suits. I've worn suits and I enjoy them. But for me, I feel like sometimes it's just a, it's a, it's a burden and it feels like a chore. 
to find that shirt where, you know, it fits perfectly, but the chest button is just a little bit tight. Right. Or, you know, the, 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 the jacket fits great, but near my um, lat, lat muscles, uh, it's just a little bit more snug. Exactly. And I can't really bring my arms up. And Especially nowadays. Especially Most nowadays. suits are cut like that now, yeah, for sure. And I want to look good, but I also want to be functional at yeah. the same time. So, like... Why, like I feel like I have to choose between the two sometimes. Yeah, so uh, what I'm getting at is what I want on the website is, for example, let's say you're in Ottawa, but you're still the type that likes to look at things online. Mm-hmm. I'm always cognizant of the fact that people have a limited amount of time. Mm-hmm. So if you're only here for an hour, you don't want to be looking at clothes for 45 minutes and then only have 15 minutes to try them on. Right. So online, what I'm hoping to do is, for example, if you're willing to go the whole way with me, you send me a full body picture of yourself. Okay. I can give you recommendations on what I would recommend you should look at in terms of my online collection. Okay. Finally, you can then proceed to actually selecting the the products online and have them reserved for you to try on at a later date. Mm. And that's what I think is going to help okay. bridge that gap between an online uh, experience and what you'd actually experience in the store. Yeah. You know, so it gets gets the best of both worlds. You do your shopping beforehand and then you get my personal touch and opinion later on. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, it's uh it's a good hybrid mm-hmm. for sure. Have you always dressed well? You I know you mentioned before you were kind of uh the Allen Iverson of the NBA. <laughs> Uh, if you will, <laughs> that's a that's a throwback to our generation for anybody oh, yeah. uh, under 20. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's funny. Uh, I was telling a friend today, I was doing some cleaning in my closet the other day and I unearthed because I haven't seen this baby in like at least I was in grade nine when I wore this. So I was what, oh, like wow. 15, 16, yeah, I'm 28 now. Yeah. A 12 year T-shirt of uh, Scarface, obviously. Oh, yeah. yeah. That went down to pretty much my shin. Oh, God. And I'm. Wow. You know, I'm looking at it and I'm like, how on earth did I dress up like this before? Yeah. But that's what it was back then. It was. You know, so I can't, sure. I'd be lying right. to you. It I'd be lying right. to you if I said I was dressing up in suits all the time. Yeah. The turning point, and it's usually the turning point with most guys, and I'm not ashamed to admit it. I once wore my dad's sweater vest and a collared shirt underneath. My dad is twice my size. Oh, wow. So I'm back then, right yeah, now. and imagine back then I was even smaller, and back then everything used to be made bigger than today. Mm. So you can imagine how big it was. Yeah, it's true. But there was one girl at school that came up to me and said, You're the best dressed guy today, and it was picture day. And that's all it took for me to start dressing up every day. Really? It's like every, I should say every guy, I don't want to generalize. Some guys just have that in them to want to dress great. up all the time. Yeah. I just had to hear that one compliment, Yeah, it, it, and that was over for me. Yeah. That's it. I can see that happening. I won't say the girl's name, but I'll give her a shout out. Yeah? I think I know. No, I don't know who it is. Do I know her? No? Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, like, first of all, for your Scarface reference, yeah. while everybody was wearing a, a Tony Montana uh, shirt, I was wearing a uh, Alejandro Sosa <laughs> shirt there because I don't think most people saw the end of the no. movie and they were rooting for the wrong guy the entire time. Um, <laughs> so... The connection that a guy has with what he's wearing right. and the opposite sex. Mm-hmm. Look at what it did to you oh, yeah. on picture day. Look at you. I mean, I mean your, your handkerchief alone is, is, is mesmerizing. <laughs> um, and, and I feel like it's, there is, so we talked earlier about the insecurities of, of shop, when we shop. And a lot of us want to fill those insecurities mm-hmm. with clothes. And the way we do that is with fit, with quality, whatever. But what about the what about the the, the female aspect? Yeah, you know, so, you dress to impress. Hundred percent. So what do you th- what do you, what do you think about that? Listen, I do it for a living. 
I dress people up for a living. Yeah. And I still want my fiance to like my clothes. Yeah. I love her taste. Shout out to Jessica. Hey. Love her taste. And I want her to like what I'm wearing because although I like it, she's looking at me the whole time. Yeah. And I think I look man, good. so key. It is, man. Especially if you're around them all the time, you want to feel good around them. You want them to feel good around you. I have become insanely dependent on my wife, Joelle. Um, like when I shop, and I thought, and I and I know that my style has changed throughout the year, mm. and I owe her so much credit for that. But it's evolved with you, right? With you and her, I would assume. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're right. I just don't know whether I was in control of it because now I'm at a point where it's like, like you said, you want that the person in your life mm-hmm. to enjoy you visually. I don't care what anybody says. I think that the physical attraction is very real. Yeah. I think that it's important and it needs to sustain forever. Definitely. Um, I don't believe in letting yourself go, quote unquote, because you found somebody that oh, yeah. will love you um, no, um, unconditionally. I, I feel like that, 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 that physical, so when you feel good, right? When you look good, you feel mm. good. And when you feel good, you, your, your partner feels that energy. It reciprocates, and, and, and man. It reciprocates. But there are men that don't have that, that companionship that, that we enjoy. Mm-hmm. What's their struggle like? So their problem is, uh, I feel like, for example, let's say a single guy who was recently divorced. And he's okay, in that's his a good example. Age, for example. Everything to prove. He is trying to impress every girl yeah. he runs into. Yeah. That's incredibly harder than impressing the one girl that you're always with. Because he's trying to impress himself too. And then the problem is you're trying to do so much for other people that you kind of forget what you actually like. Oh, yeah. So in a sense, I could be looking into this a bit too much, but I find the way a guy shops and what he wears says a lot about them. That fascinates me. I, I think love, it says a lot about them. I love the psychology. Yeah. Of, of clothing because there is it's it's you're putting your best foot forward so what am I saying when I'm wearing something that makes me that you look at and you say maybe a 20 year old would be wearing that not necessarily a 55 year old mm. that doesn't necessarily mean that a 55 year old can't pull it off but it does show that he's trying to act feel and look a bit younger than he really is and there's nothing wrong with that mm-hmm. it just says no, a lot about I, you yeah I don't think there's anything wrong yeah. with that I think the, I think a midlife crisis is is very natural and normal, and oh, yeah. it's just it's the ultimate throwback, definitely, to trying to feel you know at your at your prime. You may be in your prime at fifty five. Oh, you yeah. never know. Some I mean, men do, but men are blessed. Like we're blessed with the fact that we age relatively well, mm-hmm. right? As long as you take care of yourself, and like you said, you don't let yourself go. Yeah. So to dress up nice is not necessarily a struggle. It's just trying to decipher what it is that you actually want to portray when you do dress up. And it's also what you want to portray, yeah. But we're not always as conscious as you think. No. That's where I come in. (laughs) That's where you come in, yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. And because sometimes I'll throw something on and and Joelle will just stare at me and she's like, go back and change. And I'm like, I have like an ear-to-ear smile. I feel like like I'm on top of the world. I feel like I can literally work here tomorrow. Sure. But yet I failed miserably. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that's the lens. How do you compete with that lens? Perception versus yeah. reality. So she, you see, you might not have been wrong with that outfit that you picked. Right. It's just that maybe she didn't like it. And that's totally fine. Okay. I find there's a difference between not liking an outfit and your outfit not looking good. Okay. For example, certain colors should not be matched together. 
Okay. You might think it looks amazing. Yep. But you come to me, I'm not scared to tell you, no, you should never wear a black shirt with blue jeans. Hey, <laughs> that was exactly the example I was going to fucking give, man. Oh, we can swear on here? Uh, you can swear oh, on it's here, amazing. Man. I love this. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's the exact example I was going to give because... I, <laughs> I'm sorry. Joel. Sorry, if Joe. You, if you're watching or listening, navy blue shirt with black pants... All day, every day. That is my go-to. I love it. Oh, man. And curse the gods that said <laughs> that that was not a thing. Tell me why. I wanna, I wanna smash this <laughs> rule right now. I, my word, I was gonna wear a black shirt with, yeah. uh, for this podcast. So I'll tell you the difference. Out of spite. Let's say, for example, I'm very happy Joe's not here. Then black and blue all day. <laughs> yeah, no, she was, she was gonna come actually, but. No, let's let's uh, let's address this, please. I'm a big fan of contrast. Okay. I want to be able to tell that when I have this blue jean on, if I have a white shirt, mm. it's gonna really show that that jean is in fact blue. Okay. When I have a dark blue jean or a dark blue dress pant, and okay. I put it with a black shirt, yeah, it either looks like I'm trying to be too matchy matchy. Okay. Or it just really doesn't show the color of the jean or of the shirt. So I'm a fan of opposite colors. Okay. If I wear a dark colored shirt, I want light colored pants. You know, okay. light colored pants, dark colored shirt. Oh, interesting. Or opposite. Okay. Now that's just my style. Yeah. But the point is, you could wear dark with dark. It's just as long as the colors aren't too similar. Mm, interesting. Interesting. That's the way I see it. Some, so, but like, but like a nice black V-neck with with jeans. That's fine. Going out. So there's a difference between a t-shirt and jean look, right? Or a dress shirt and dress pant look. Okay. I find t-shirt and jean, it's not that you don't put thought into it. It's just you don't have to put thought into it. It's a jean and a t-shirt. Right. It's going to look good almost no matter what. Because jeans are like pretty much all purpose. Exactly. And you're going out and everything. I find when you're going to an interview, I'm not going to say that the interviewer is going to know exactly how to dress up the way you should. Mm -hmm. But I just feel like you, you want to put your best foot forward. Mm -hmm. And I feel like... If you show that you put a bit of thought into, not to say you don't put thought when you wear your dress shirt. And I put pants. a lot of thought into it. I put a lot of spite into it too. <laughs> Hell yeah, I'm as stubborn as they come. I'm gonna do black. Podcast part two, we're gonna be wearing that both of us. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We're gonna be in a onesie that cuts off. The blue one half and black in the other. That's it, man. But like, but just the way she had presented it to me where it was like a written rule where it's like you don't mix navy blue with black mm -hmm. and i'm like and for me i i want like lucky gang podcast we dethrone the status quo right we go against the grain we ask why we put the crown on and tilt it a little bit just to aggravate the that's people it. that want it straight so that's the mentality i'm with you i'm with You're you with but me. at least you want to get down to the bottom of it at least I have, yes, that's, that's my That's never seen you and a lot of people. A lot okay. of people are stuck in their ways, but they have no possibility of actually changing their ways because they choose not to. You, at least, if I, if I show you, you're like me, I think. We have to be shown, and this is why I never survived at any other job. Mm. If you're telling me to do something, I need logic mm, behind need logic. it. You need I need to know why. I can't just hear you say you have to do this and I just follow you around. No, I need to know why you want me to do this. And then I'll do it yeah. if you're right. You know, so and that's for you to judge. That's for me to judge. Yeah. Now, I mean, I'm I'm in the the fashion uh, arena, so I would like to think, you know, I have a, a solid knowledge base on on what you should and shouldn't wear. Yeah. Otherwise, I shouldn't be doing this. That's right. And right. otherwise, you wouldn't be as successful at it too. Yeah. So, okay, I'll leave the black and, and blue thing alone for now. <laughs> for now, but I, I like you said, I, I sense a major comeback. <laughs> 
what are so that's one mistake tell me some other like your 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 top no-nos what are the biggest things that people just really need to avoid not just from a suit perspective but just as a as a rule of thumb right like i'll give you an example mm -hmm. when i'm wearing um so I, I i go my i dress to work based in palettes okay so i'll have like a general tone mm -hmm. and if i'm wearing a brown belt with my navy blue plant my navy blue pants I'll typically have brown socks and with my, with my brown shoes. Mm -hmm. Not all the same shade. Right. Kind but in the same family. But in the same family. Mm -hmm. So that to me, I think looks good. And Joel hasn't said anything. So, <laughs> so it looks good then. <laughs> so it looks good. So what are some of the things that you think that we should absolutely avoid? Being in a rush. Meaning mm, I find I like a lot that. of people. Now I'm, I'm only talking strictly in terms of you wanted to buy an outfit for a birthday or an occasion or a big meeting interview whatever the case yep it really does show when you were in a rush interesting in the sense that a lot of guys think that they're off the rack there's actually nobody that's off the rack what does off the rack off mean? the rack meaning i look at this suit if i tell you i'm a size 48 and oh, i grab that suit okay i don't do any other adjustments so you mean okay but but when you said it i thought you meant when you're in a rush picking your clothes at home well the, well at home well at home is also a different story um the thing is i was referring to before getting it home okay that whole process to picking out an outfit you want to make sure you're taking your time so you can make sure that the alterations are done right. Okay. You want it to look like you put some thought into this outfit as opposed to, I just woke up late. I'm 30 minutes late for my meeting. I'm just going to grab the first shirt and the first jacket I see. You know what I mean? When you're at home, again, I think the main mistake that most people do is that they don't necessarily understand how to dress up for the environment they're about to step into. Mm. Uh, I see it a lot in the sense that when people come by for uh, their interview outfit. Yeah. They don't really know how to actually dress up for that interview. So, for example, I had a guy that came in two weeks ago. Uh, he is going for his uh, medical uh, uh, interviews at various hospitals. Now, whether their interviewer dresses up sharp or not, I want the guy who is being interviewed to be at ease knowing that the interviewer can relate to him. So, for example, this guy in particular was in his late 20s. He's still a young guy. He told me the guy interviewing him is at least twice his age, if not more. Now, how, how would he have known that though? Was he already at, in the? He yeah, he got area? an idea as to what kind of doctor he knew about the doctor that okay. was interviewing him and stuff. Okay. So he got a little bit of background. Now okay. he didn't tell me any of this on his own. I asked him, and okay. the reason why I asked him is because he's a slim guy, and he wants to wear a slim suit, and I think he should. But he also wanted to wear a skinny tie. Mm. Now there's nothing wrong with a skinny tie. There are just different levels to skinny ties. Got it. So you can have a skinny tie, and you can have I barely eat tie. Okay. You can barely see that tie. Okay. Now, if I'm sitting across from you and I'm in my 50s and I'm a professional. Now, I'm not, it's not to say that I'm going to judge your entire existence on this one tie. Well, no. But it gives me an idea of who you are. Yeah. And, your, I, and your judgment. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Now, I don't agree that you should judge somebody fully on what they're wearing, but it does give you an idea of who they are. No, I mean, listen, it is what it is, right? Like, I don't expect a 50, 60, 70-year-old to suddenly relate with everything that, that, that I'm about. Mm -hmm. And I'm probably not going to relate with the, the younger generation when I'm older. Yeah. I don't relate to the younger ones. And I also don't relate. Like, for me, I don't believe in this whole, like, oh, we just have to accept everything all the time yeah. as it comes. Yeah, and, I'm, I'm totally with you You know, that. great <laughs> choice on the tie, Billy. Yeah. Like, no. You know, like, that man lived his entire life 
not seeing that vertical yeah. thing that you're wearing and you can't ask him to suddenly be no. okay with it because it's so foreign to him that it's not within his comfort for sure like the optics of it and let's face it part of hiring somebody is not only do i think he's good at the job it's also do i think i can actually live around him yeah can i be around him for eight hours a day i know this is putting it over the top because we're just talking about clothes but what i'm saying is that i wanted this guy to come across as a professional young man yeah. So I didn't give him a wide tie like his grandfather's tie. I just gave him something right in the right in, right the, in middle. the middle. You know, yeah. it's kind of like how I dressed up here to begin with. I looked 22 before. I really did look my age, if not younger. So I never dressed up in super short pants and very tight fitted jackets or something that looked good on me, mm-hmm. but was still relatable to who I'm selling to, which at the time were 40 year olds, 50 year olds. Right. You know, already buying a suit from a 20 year old is a little bit off. But if I come across like I'm a little bit more on your side, for example. You feel a bit more at ease with me when I'm trying to show you these suits. So, okay, yeah. I mean, just in terms of interviews in general, I struggle with what to wear um, for interviews or really important meetings. And, like, I do try to think about my audience. I do try to think about the person Mm -hmm. across the table. What What are some of the things that people can do in general to kind of hit the mark from a from a general perspective? Right. So. Most of the time when you're, not most of the time, but a lot of times when you're going to an interview, you're wearing a suit or at least a shirt and pants. Yeah. Don't wear a pink suit. Got it. Go for solid colors. Solid colors. Go for your fundamentals, like a nice gray, a nice dark blue, not black because it looks like more of a formal suit, like a prom suit or something. Right. Blacks are nice, but navies and grays are your best friends when it comes to those interviews. Navies and grays. Mm -hmm. And what what are the power colors? What Or maybe not power, but what colors do you think... Uh, speak best in terms when you're trying to oppress upon somebody in a professional setting. Mm. What colors would you would you red. for? Red, a nice strong red, burgundy. Uh, a solid navy blue tie is also nice, but I find red really brings out a punch. And that's for tie. That's for tie, not yeah. for shirt. Not for shirt. No shirts. Typically, whenever I went for an interview, I like to wear just a plain white shirt. Okay. Everybody should have at least oh, one, if that. not five, plain white shirts. Yeah. And the reason being is because. Your gray suit is more of a quote-unquote boring suit. Okay. But it's supposed to be quote-unquote boring because it allows you to express yourself with your tie, with your pocket square, your lapel pin, your socks. The less you do with your suit, the more you could do with everything else that you're wearing. So I find going with a solid blue or a gray to start off if you have a string of interviews is a solid investment. And then you just work with the little ties. That way you don't feel like you have to buy a new suit every time. Yeah. I could wear the same navy suit three times in a week. You would never know. Because every time I wear it, I'm wearing one time a purple tie, one time a brown, one time a lime green. I switch up the shirt, I switch up the accessories. But at the end of the day, my base is still a navy suit. Right. Instead of buying 20 suits to feel like you have a variety, buy three suits and buy 20 shirts. Mm-hmm. Way easier on your pockets. You could do a lot more to express yourself, whether you're going for an interview, you're going out to eat, dinner, whatever the case is. Just have a lot more variety that way, I would say. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I'm going to do that, actually. That's some really great advice. Because I do have more suits than I would like. And mm-hmm. I don't feel like I wear them all. Yeah. And I feel like I'm way more sensitive to the sizing issues with a suit than I am with a shirt. Right. Because, you know, you can fluctuate mm-hmm. in size up and down. And if you get a suit that's, like, completely tailored at that moment, where a shirt, I mean, I don't get them always tailored. But at least if I'm a large or a, a 44 or four, I'm not sure what my neck anyways if I have that measurement I know that I have a bit more wiggle room exactly yeah. with the shirts yeah, yeah. what about what about Italy um, attracted 
the, the men's fashion industry. I mean, Mario uh, Uomo, mm-hmm. Uomo, Uomo, <laughs> Mario Uomo. Well, you said it cooler. I wanted to get that Uomo. Mario. They use like a W. Uomo. Yeah, they use yeah. like a W. Basically, okay. yeah. Mario. Yeah. Um, it's a me. Yeah. Uh, so, like, tell me, tell me a little bit about that influence, and um, like, what about why? Why, when we think of Italy, or when we think of the brands in general, what what, what is it about that culture? That so resonates. The thing is, it's borderline a stereotype, right? Okay. Uh, not to veer too off uh, to a different topic, but let's say, for example, you look at a product made in China. Yep. It's just everything has been made in China for so long, and your relationship with those products is that sometimes they don't last enough, mm-hmm. they don't uh, work the way you want them to, they're faulty. So you say anything made in China it's cheap. is no good. Yeah. It's cheap. Yeah. Italy is literally the opposite of that. Oh, interesting. Everything that you get from Italy, you assume is the best of the best. And rightfully so for the most part. For the most part. For the most part. Okay. Now, I thought you were going to bust that myth. I will a little bit. Okay. <laughs> so it, if I'm speaking strictly about clothing, I, when I'm buying clothing for the store, I always pinpoint Italian fabrics. Okay. I don't necessarily care where the suit is made. I care about where the fabric is made. Mm-hmm. And the reason being is because Italy has immersed itself for hundreds of years in the textile industry predominantly wools and silks okay so they're well known for having the best wools the best silks okay now all the higher end brands of course buy from those italian mills okay and it costs them a pretty penny to have those fabrics so of course they're going to charge you a pretty penny in exchange but the reason why is because italy forever now lately it's been a little bit less you'll see other countries like turkey romania hungary they're getting their hands in that industry. Yeah, you've but been to Turkey a few times. I've been times. to Turkey a few times, yeah. Okay. But Italy is still the dominant uh, player in that field, for sure. Yeah. It's part of their culture. They love dressing up. That's the difference between them and most of Europe, I would say, compared to North America. They dress up because they want to. We usually dress up because we have to. But would you blame their 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 body type as well? It's definitely suitable. Now, I went to Italy. You'll see guys that are paper thin, and you'll see the guys who spend all day eating spaghetti and meatballs. Hey, yeah, right. I like those so, guys. yeah, me They're too. Happier. They have a bit more fun. I would say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you'll you know it's. Uh, they're the ones that usher in the new trends, right. and the new trend right now is slim, of course. So, of course, a lot of Italians are that body type that would suit it best. Yeah, I, I hate that trend. So it's suitable for some guys, you know. Now, you can still wear a slim suit. You just have to buy a bigger size than you're accustomed to and then trim it all the way down. But it's still a slim suit on you at the end of the day, right? So in Italy, they'll always, I think, will be known for their textiles. Mm. My beef is that I don't think that you should pay an exorbitant amount of money for a fabric that you can get otherwise from a brand that you know a bit less but has the same quality fabric and sometimes literally the same fabric for hundreds of dollars less. No, oh, really? That's what I do here. You're able to find the same fabric for cheaper. It's not hard. No. Now, the thing is, it's not that I find the fabric for cheaper. I find the suits for a less expensive price. It's literally the same fabric you'll find elsewhere, but you just don't know the brand name that I carry as much as Armani or Hugo Boss. And how do you hustle that? How do you pull that off? How do I tell people that it's the same? How do you do it? How, do you, how did you figure it out? Well, I'm lucky because... I came into the business. So I was able to see that through my dad. I got a lot of good connections based on that. Now, I've also had to do the legwork because, like I said before, I ushered in a new generation of people to come into the store. My dad never had that 
So I had to go out and find those suits. It's all about knowing the right people, but more importantly, it's about knowing the right fabric. If you know about fabrics, you'll know if it's a good quality suit or not. Whether it fits well off the bat is irrelevant compared to the price that you're paying. Right. You're essentially, with the money that you're investing, is really into the fabric. You shouldn't be investing into the name. Because the name of the brand didn't make that fabric. The fabric maker made that fabric. But as, as, your, as your average consumer, there's really no way to tell the two apart. They don't know. We don't know. And that's why I, I want to go back to my first instinct mm. when I shop. It's the index thumb exactly. experience where yeah. it's like, you know, this shirt that I bought from Winners uh, is actually softer than some of the, the, the high end shirts oh, yeah, that, for sure. that, that I've owned. And Definitely. that to me was enough. Like I was able to justify it because mm. this is what I want touching my skin. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if it has an Armani tag in the back or if it's a $150 tag. Yeah. If I don't know how much you bought it for, but let's say you bought it for 30 bucks. It doesn't yeah. mean it's worse than that 150. Yeah. No, it just means it's more reasonably priced. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and you make a really good point about, um, understanding your craft and knowing your product mm -hmm. first mm -hmm. before leveraging this amazing network that you've both built and was sort of left behind. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's a really important point that a lot of people miss is that, you know, a lot of people just go on these DM sprees on, on Instagram or they just want to follow to get a follow back. And they're too concerned with those sch yeah. uh, uh, schematics and the optics rather than just duck down, lay low, grind, hustle, take care of your craft. And let the people come to you. Yeah. Let the people come to you. With, 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 and that way you establish a relationship where, where you don't feel like you owe anybody anything 100% right because you don't give up the leverage yeah yeah in that case when they come here they know my product is good if it wasn't I would have it in the store mm -hmm. they know that when they come I'm going to be honest with them and they know that when they walk out most more than likely they're going to get a lot of compliments when they wear it at work the next day right so that's really what I set out to do um I feel like the sequence in your buying clothes touching back to what you said you always look for the feel first yes I think the sequence should be feel price and then how it fits feel price and then how it fits a lot of people look at how it fits first and well, you're yeah. not wrong but i gotta try it on first because sure. that's gonna that's a deal breaker for sure now right. with a t-shirt you obviously want it to fit right away because you don't want to alter a t-shirt that's right it'll cost you more to fix it than it did for you to buy it yeah but when it comes to a suit or a nice dress shirt or pants or jeans as long as you have a good tailor okay anything can be done yeah that's why I feel like you shouldn't limit yourself to what fits you off the bat because if you have broad shoulders, not everything will fit you off the bat. Right, no. no but as way. long as you have a good tailor, yeah. just like you have a good you know, a fashion consultant, mm -hmm. then you know you're in good hands and it'll fit you well at the end of the day. Got it. That's kind of the main goal, I would say. Okay. But if it doesn't feel good, you're buying crap Yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah, if, yeah. If it's too expensive, you're not willing to spend that extra $100 on alterations. And that's why I'm saying you make sure it feels good you make sure the price is reasonable because like I said, you don't want to spend more on the alterations than you did on the garment. And then you look at the way it fits because that essentially you look at that at the end once you try it on in front of the tailor and get it measured. That's usually the proper sequence to do it in my mind. Mr. Mario. Womo. Mario Womo. What keeps you motivated? And I'm not talking at this like high level. I'm talking about on the day to day basis. Why do you wake up and do what you do? I love working with people, to be honest with you. Um, I probably could sell anything. 
Any anybody who sells something properly could sell any other item. The key is to believe in that item. Now, I'm happy because the way I've kind of built the store is that I kind of, in a way, dictate the people that come in. You kind of know based on what's inside the store whether or not it is for you. Mm. So when I have a plethora of guys or and even women that come by to the shop for their husbands and, and sons and whatnot, when I have a plethora of people like that that I look at and I say, I want to be like you in 15 years, then that always motivates me. And I'm lucky because I have a lot of clients who I look up to uh, who are willing to kind of guide me. Although they see that I have a successful store, it doesn't mean I know everything. You never know everything. And that's usually what motivates me is that I want to know more. And every time I come to the store, every single day, I learn at least one new thing that I didn't know yesterday. And that, to me, makes me realize that you need people around you to kind of shape who you are, right? And there's nothing wrong with working at a desk. I just can't do it, right? Just like some people can't do what I do because they don't like talking with people all day. Whether it's good or bad is up to you. I just know what works for me is being around people that are like-minded or might not think the same way that I do, but I respect how they think and I see how far they've come and I want to get to where they are. And that's what motivates me every day. I love that. You're pulling from both ends. Mm -hmm. The people that you work with every day and help, but then there's also the like-minded and the knowledgeable people as well that you surround yourself yeah. with. And that goes back to what I said before. If I'm with you for an hour, I'm not talking about the suits for an hour. Mm-hmm. I'm usually picking your brain. Although you're here about you, I'll be honest with you, I'm usually picking your brain because I want to find out more about you to see what I can use for myself. That, that I not only use for myself to make myself better, but knowledge spreads, you know? And I got people from all walks of life. So if my buddy's a carpenter and he's trying to start in the business and I get a carpenter that came in and he's been established for a long time, it motivates me to inquire about that because then I can then help out somebody that I care about later on. Mm. You know what I mean? I'm just blessed with that opportunity because I'm always around people that I respect. And that helps me out a lot quite a bit. Yeah, respect is a is a huge factor. Mm-hmm. And how do you... So, But you would also apply that same level of motivation to just somebody that would walk in right off the street oh, 100%. That, you that you don't really know to you that's just an opportunity for sure I because I know I can help him if he is coming in with no knowledge about fashion whatsoever and just needs a complete wardrobe makeover and I've never met him before it's awesome because like I said before you end up learning a lot about a person by the way they dress up mm. so I end up knowing a lot about that person in those two hours I'm with him than his friends might ever know about him you know what I mean mm-hmm. and that's what kind of motivates me because I, I love meeting people I love interacting with people at the at the store not necessarily after work sure i'm an extrovert at work and i'm an introvert outside of work huge balance yeah which is uh it's been a struggle sometimes it's also a misconception yeah i think a lot of people define themselves or consider others as either or and i quickly realized i think it was at around in around 2012 13 um i quickly realized as i started to work with more and more different personalities because as Lebanese people, we grow up in our own community. 
we befriend our own and our parents also befriend and and so we have sort of a little bit of um the shelter oh, yeah. that we grow up under and i mean let's be honest it's it's that greek italian lebanese mediterranean extroverted For sure. it's that extroverted culture yeah, where right? you know everything about everybody <laughs> you know everything about everybody your handshakes are a workout yeah. and, and and you're just super <laughs> out there <laughs> you know, you're out there and, and there's always an excuse to go out for coffee and to celebrate and to love and to yeah. whatever. But then on the flip side, there's a lot of introverts out there. And I realized for myself, as extroverted as I may come off, I need my downtime. Oh, yeah. And as an only boy, like I have I have sisters, as an only boy, I've, I've had, I never really realized how much alone time I actually had growing up. Did you have any? I had a lot. Okay. I had to self-entertain. Okay, fair enough. I had to self... God bless uh, my sister, Sophia. She was the tomboy. She played guns with me. I and see. she 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 would help me build with my Legos and stuff. But she she grew, right? In her teens and whatnot. And then that, that, that ended up stopping. And then I had to sort of... You set up the army men by yourself. You 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 got your Ninja Turtles. You gotta you gotta fabricate the story and yeah. you gotta see the whole plot. You All gotta the, the whole movie. It's needs harder to than happen. it sounds, man. It's harder than it sounds. Yeah. <laughs> I used to love Van Damme movies and I would act out. Uh, remember Double Impact where he yeah, had yeah. twins. One of them would get hurt and die. Like I had to do the hospital scene <laughs> and the and the vengeance scene at the, the same struggle time. Struggle was real, man. <laughs> so I mean, so so I mean, yeah, I, I appreciate. Where you're coming from and, and striking that balance, mm-hmm. I think is something a lot of people um, don't do. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. And it's part of the reason why I stay up late a lot. Because for those who don't know, I also am Lebanese. <laughs> and so that usually entails that you have a lot of people at your house. And I love them. But I do want my downtime. Yeah. So I sometimes have to wait till everybody's asleep so I can get that one or two hour of just not talking to anybody. Yeah. So that when I come back to work the next day. I'm as talkative as you expect me to be. Uh, yeah, you need to recharge. You know, you need that time to yourself to appreciate everything else that you do. Because if you're constantly working, no matter how much you like it, you will get tired. We're not robots. Not yet. And we're just going to crash at one point if, if you know, we don't take care of ourselves. Or, or you do the things that allow you to, to, to be the best version of yourself. And for me, that's that period of two hours where I don't talk to anybody. I just watch something or I just sit down and read a book and that's about it. Yeah. And, and a lot of people, I call it like the extrovert struggle because people will then think that your time, your quiet time or when you're not performing to the extent that people are used to you at, they will ask what's wrong. Mm-hmm. They'll assume that there's something automatically wrong yeah. when in fact things couldn't be more right. And right. you just want to just hang for a For bit. sure. They're just not used to seeing you that way. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. So speaking of upgrading and speaking of knowledge and everything that you bring to the industry, what are some of the trends? By the way, Happy New Year. Thank you. You as well. 2018 strong. What are some of the trends? What are some of the things that we need to look out for? I know for a fact that black and navy blue is set for a huge comeback. (laughs) Your sources? I have sources. (laughs) The Fashion Illuminati, okay, I follow them on Instagram. <laughs> I want to meet those people. That's actually a pretty good uh, name for an account, actually. I Fashion Illuminati. That. Yeah. But uh, no, all kidding aside, what are, what are some of the things that you project? What are some of the things that we need to look out for? As you said, skinny's in right now, slim fits in or whatnot. Um, we seem to always make this return back yeah. to the classic. So we're never going to reinvent the wheel. 
when it comes to men's fashion. Now, what I see coming up uh, that hasn't been around for a long time are double-breasted suits. If for oh, those who don't, know, for those who don't know what a double-breasted suit is, that's gangster. Go into your grandpa's closet. Hell yeah! Look at all of his suits. I guarantee you, every single one of them is a double-breasted. And he'd use them too. He'd use them, but you <laughs> they shouldn't. Were functional, you, you should. You definitely should not, because the difference between his double-breasted and your future double-breasted suit is that his will fit three of you in it, mm. and yours should fit you the way it should fit you nowadays. Okay. Everything is becoming a lot slimmer, and it's going to continue to get. Not necessarily slimmer, but just continue to be the way it is right now. I don't really foresee it going back into the baggy suit phase. Mm. And if it does, I'm never going to wear that. Well, I mean, listen, I mean, I mean, I love, love, love and can definitely relate to the Goodfellas yeah. era. You know, the casino Sopranos, era. Just the that, Sopranos. Yeah. And when you think about De Niro and Pacino and all of those guys, Ray Liotta and, and all that, like... Yeah, you had those. They were a little bit baggy, but man, they were they looked good. They looked sharp because it, it suited the image back then, you know? Yeah. And I find nowadays a lot of those throwback looks like Paisley's, uh, you know, the, the pleated pants are not necessarily coming back in style, but I'm sure at one point they will. Everything kind of does. At the end of the day, I always stress, no matter what's in style, always wear what fits you best. Stick within the realm of what's happening today as much as you can. But again, if you're not a slim guy, don't wear the tightest fitted suit around. Wear a modern fitting suit. Don't wear MC Hammer pants at the bottom. Right. Just something a little bit in between. Right. Okay. Good. So what else? Anything else? 2018? For trends, I mean, socks. <laughs> socks are huge. Socks continue to be huge. They, uh, they, 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 they say a lot about a person. For sure. Right? For sure. It says a lot about Trudeau because every time somebody comes and looks at my socks... They always talk about our Prime Minister Trudeau all the time in his funky socks. Yeah. And yeah. all it takes is for one person to wear something funky and then everybody else kind of follows suit. Right. But nowadays, everybody's wearing the funky socks, whether it's with jeans or suits, whatever the case may be. Um, a lot of guys are wearing loafers now with very short-cut pants, and you can't wear socks with that. So they wear sockets. What are those? I don't say sockets to men because it sounds too feminine. I yeah. say short socks. It's basically like a heel sock. Oh, Okay. Right, but yeah. even those heel socks are funky nowadays. Interesting. Even though you don't see them, people oh, still yeah. want to know that there are polka dots on my on my sockets. Oh, interesting. I, I have the short socks, mm -hmm. but like when I'm wearing my Jordans or my sneakers right. with shorts. Yeah, yeah. Because you want to just show, you want to be all ankle. Exactly. Um, I guess the same thing is kind of going to yeah, kind of come back. Same thing, and it already is, but even more so with time for sure. Yeah. Interesting. Awesome. Good stuff. Um, so, with that said. And I'm going to kind of ask you. Now, I didn't put this together with any really strategic consideration in mind. Mm -hmm. But what, what can you tell from me based on the way I dress? Or maybe, so we'll start with that. But even on a bigger stage, like what can you tell from people? How do people uh, communicate their personality through their clothes? Well, <laughs> when you see a guy in a fluorescent blue suit... Probably means he's an right. extrovert. Okay, extrovert. Yeah, <laughs> he's probably not a very shy guy. Yeah, you know, okay. the he's guy, a minority though. He's a he's a definite minority. Yeah, that's for sure. And it, to be honest, it's usually minorities that wear that. Yes, <laughs> so that's right. either way, it's true to the term. <laughs> you mean visual, my visual, visible, visible and personality wise, he's a minority because not everybody's willing to. It takes a lot of balls, man. It takes a lot of balls to wear a fluorescent blue suit on the on the street. That's true, but Mo right. has no problem doing it. <laughs> 
No, Mo, he does not. Mo's a gangster. <laughs> and you know he has the brown loafers That's to it. match. Mo stays true to himself. That's Mo. All the time. Shout out to Mo. Mo, Mo. <laughs> I, for example, again, like I said, I want to portray myself as looking a bit older than I am because that's my crowd. So I try to dress up in reserved colors. Okay. Now I'm wearing a royal blue, you know, a jacket, but I am not wearing a purple shirt and like a red po- uh, pocket square. Right. I'm still wearing everything in the blues. Right. Just different shades of blue because I want you to see that I like wearing patterns. Yeah. But I'm not too flashy. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with being flashy. Just like there's nothing wrong with being very 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 conservative. Mm-hmm. It just says a lot about who you are. You know? Okay. So that party goer, probably never going to wear a tie. Mm-hmm. But he'll wear a pocket square. He'll wear a flower pin. He'll wear a very patterned looking jacket with paisley lining on the inside. Right. The guy who strictly wears suits to work and only work, he'll probably have a plain lining on the inside. He'll probably have a white pocket square if he wears a pocket square. What does it say about a man that always wears a tie to work even on casual Fridays he means business he means business scratch that he means business business with a business not with a Z all the time wow okay that's what I see but don't but don't you think that that's kind of like socially condescending when you wear a tie? No, when 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 it's agreed upon that Fridays oh. is a casual day. And <laughs> I don't like that stuff. You still show up. You don't like casual Friday? I don't like the fact that you need one day just to wear something different. I feel like okay. if it's a formal place, wear formal suits. Right. If it's a casual spot, wear casual. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. I just feel like you get so excited to wear those jeans on Friday that you dread the Monday to Thursday where you're wearing a suit every day. Oh, that's a good point. And that's what I see all the time here. The death of the suits. That's a real thing. Yeah. I started, we started this podcast and I told you, I said, I only think of a suit when I absolutely have to wear one and I feel like it's a chore. Right. Because a suit reminds me of either, I love what I do now, Mm -hmm. but that wasn't always the case, just like you. Um, And a suit was affiliated with negative feelings and energies. Right. So, um, is... So what can we do to bring the suit back to its former glory? Like, how do I feel better? Because when I put on a suit, I'm afraid of it reminding me or it showing me that I've just gained weight. Okay. Real talk. Yeah, yeah. I'm petrified to put a suit on. I try to stay in shape. Yeah. I try to eat right. But you never fucking know that you just can be retaining a little bit of water on that day and it'll crush yep. my entire night. I don't want to take one picture at this damn event. I don't want to do anything. It crushes me when yeah. that when that chest button is tight and it's that, game over. It's game yeah. over. I'm not and I need to be a hunchback just for my shirt to feel like it's loose in the right. front. And that's why you don't like dressing up. Cuz everything like you just told me right now shows me that you think about it too much yeah. and it's not your fault. It's just the way it makes you feel sometimes, right? Like I look at suits and I think to myself, they keep you super honest. If you are trying to come off as like you're super skinny, for example, or the opposite, but you don't feel that way, you'll never actually project that image because people can see that you're not comfortable. Mm. You know what I mean? Uh, what you can do to make yourself feel better is to purge your whole wardrobe and start fresh. Now, I'm not saying get rid of everything. I'm saying try everything on and honestly look at yourself in the mirror and say, is this going to bother me every time I wear it? Because if it does, you should never wear it. You should get rid of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it just it, it feels like a chore. I have an event. I need yeah. to get through this event. Mm-hmm. And not every time. Don't get me wrong. 
But, you know, I, I feel like a lot of men are trapped oh, yeah. in this vicious cycle of suits. And, and when you say purge, it's like, okay, but there's thousands of dollars in that closet. Exactly. Now, here's the thing. When you want to buy a new suit, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to buy the most expensive suit. It also doesn't mean that you have to get rid of every single one of your suits at the same time and just be naked showing up to work. Right. You do it gradually. But the key is to find one person or one location where you can constantly go to and constantly receive good service in return. And part of that good service involves me showing you what I think will allow you to feel good every time you wear it. So it's really just about finding the right pieces because the ironic part is that you look great in a suit. Thank and I'm you, convinced that if I showed you the right suit, you wouldn't feel the way you're telling me you feel right now when you wear your old suits. Yeah, and it's and it's mostly due to purchases that I made a long time ago. And that's what I was going to That I can't to. justify getting rid of either because I really like the shirt mm-hmm. or it alludes back to, like for instance, I used to do Muay Thai. And at Muay Thai, I was, you know, pushing, I'm 6'1", pushing, I was 190 at the time. Right. And very low muscle mass. And I used to fit in that clothes. Mm. And now, not so much anymore. My lifestyle's changed. The way I train, yeah. train has changed. But I, I still keep the, the same shirts. And I want, I don't want to admit, but through the stitching, right? It's an admitting process. Right. That and and, the and thing it's very is, humbling. It is, it is. Because you bought it when you were a bit younger and uh, let's say a little bit thinner. Yeah, I definitely. And now you wear it and you're like, fuck. What the fuck happened to me? Mm-hmm. And why am I not like how I was five years ago when I first bought the suit? And then it makes you hate the suit. You, 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 you grow resentment. A lot of people blame the suit, for example. But it's actually because you either let go or you're just not happy with where you are right now. Yeah. Now, the way I look at it, for example, I had a guy who gained a lot of weight recently. He's always purchased my most expensive suits. Okay. Now, I have a line of suits that's beneficial for his body type now. Okay. Now, instead of selling him that same suit I sell him before for double the price, I told him, buy these suits. If you know that your body type is going to change with time, there's no sense in investing double the amount in something that you're not going to wear ever again. Mm -hmm. So when I tell somebody to purge their wardrobe, I say purge it knowing your expectations for your body, knowing when you expect to reach your goal in terms of the way your body looks and feels, and then buying suits or clothing in general that accommodates to that period of time. Because you're fooling yourself if you think that the suit is going to be good on you for 30 years. You should never wear a suit for 30 years. Got it. You should expect four or five years out of a good suit. Four or five years. Yeah, that's and, about right. And a bit of tailoring in between because you're probably not going to stay the same for four or five years. That's true, man. You know, so again, it keeps you very, very honest and it humbles you a lot when you wear a suit from five years ago that you can't fit into the same way anymore. Mm-hmm. And it kind of just starts spinning the wheel all the time. And sometimes it requires just a bit of work or you just have to buy a new suit, but it doesn't mean you have to spend thousands on it. Just buy it gradually, one at a time. The 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 man's relationship with a suit just fascinates me. Yeah. Because when I watch just even like older movies, or I alluded to um, to uh, Goodfellas, and just looking at their their collars, the more pointy collars, and you mentioned the lapels, uh, like the Harvey Specter lapels in, mm-hmm. in the movie, like. The psychology of it, even after you get married and you you have your fiance and you're going to be eventually married, like there's nothing left to prove per se, right? Except for to one person, but even then, right? There's still like this internal struggle that rages on for sure, and uh, you're very much a part of that uh, of that yeah. battle, and and you're 
an ally and a friend to uh, all of us men out there that are definitely struggling, man. That's the best compliment everybody's ever paid me with my job, so <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> You're welcome, man. So, I mean, uh, Mario Womo? You had it. Womo. Nice, I like it. Oh, I wish it came out better. <laughs> M-A-R-I-O-U-O-M-O. That's it. And the website's going to be dot launching soon.com. But you are on Instagram and on Facebook. Yeah. I have a website right now, but the next website is going to be 100 times better. Nice, man. For sure. Well, let me tell you something, man. You are my second guest, and I'm so happy that I did this Hey, man, you. it's an honor. I've been wanting to do a podcast forever, so <laughs> to do it with a friend is the best way to start. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm honored, and I'm, and I'm incredibly happy to be here. And uh, I'm definitely going to be looking to you to keep me in uh, tip-top shape. My man. And to uh, tell Joel That's it. that uh, <laughs> I am a, a fashion guru eventually. That's it. My man, Mario. It's a pleasure, man. You are Lucky Gang certified. My Thank man. you so much, man. It's an honor. Thank, Thank you, brother. brother. I put the team on my back. I do it all for the family. Never be turning around. Never be turning around. Hey, never be slowing it down. Never be slowing it down. Hey.